This year, we're going to be spending most of our time in St. Matthew's Gospel. And to help you understand the Gospel as a whole, in today's reading in particular, it helps to have a little bit of context. So Matthew is the most Jewish of the Gospel writers. He's writing for an audience that's mostly Jewish believers. And sometimes that comes out in very obvious ways. If you think about something like the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes up to the mountain to give a speech, because that's where Moses gave speeches from. So Jesus is kind of like Moses. In some ways, like today's Gospel reading, it just comes off kind of strange. One of the ways that Matthew thought about the world that was common among his Jewish contemporaries was he thought there were two ages in creation. There is a current age, which is marked by war and violence and injustice and sin and idolatry. And this period of time doesn't really have a name, so we'll just call it life. And there's a time over here that's marked by peace and justice and equity and love. And Matthew calls that the kingdom of heaven. Matthew believed that by his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of heaven. He brings it into the world. The very first thing Jesus says in Matthew's gospel when he shows up is the kingdom of heaven has come near. But here's the tricky part. Jesus ushers in this new age, but he doesn't usher it in completely. And it won't be ushered in completely until Jesus comes back. So Matthew's community thinks it's living in between these two times. It's like they're happening at the same time. Sometimes they look at the world and they think, this looks like the kingdom of heaven Jesus talked about. And other times they look at the world and think, well, it looks like Jesus never showed up at all. Those early Christians believed that whenever Jesus came back, he would finish what he started and usher in the kingdom of heaven completely. And Jesus even says that he will come back and finish what he started before this generation dies. And for the early church, this way of thinking about the world kind of makes sense. There's lots of bad stuff happening in the world, but Jesus is coming back, and so whenever he comes back, he'll take care of everything. Except, what happens? Jesus never comes back. A week goes by, a year goes by, pretty soon a few decades go by. The generation that Jesus said they would not die before Jesus came back, well, they all died. And it poses a huge problem for those early believers. If Jesus was wrong about that, then what else was Jesus wrong about? It makes them embarrassed. It looks like he got stood up by Jesus. They start to think maybe they aren't living in between these two ages. Maybe this is as good as things are going to be. And most important, they start thinking that their actions, their mission, their life together doesn't actually matter. It can't actually change anything in the world. Now, one way people have dealt with the discomfort of not knowing when Jesus is coming is prediction. Even in biblical times, there was a tradition of people trying to figure out when Jesus was coming back using elaborate formulas. And of course, people still do this today. Periodically, some group will pop up on CNN and say that they found a code in a cave in the Middle East and when you combine it with the prices from the IHOP breakfast menu, it says that Jesus is coming back next week. Matthew doesn't have a lot of patience for that kind of prediction. 
He seems to think it's useless, counterproductive. Instead, Matthew advises us not to predict, but to prepare. You, Matthew advises, must be ready. You don't know the day your Lord is coming, so you should live as if God's new reign is going to break into the world at any moment. You should live as if you already live in the kingdom of heaven. Now, if we mock the people who try to predict when Jesus will return, Matthew would probably offer us a word of caution. Not because they aren't misguided, but because we might not be doing a whole lot better. Last week, the UN released its new report on climate change, which found that the Paris Climate Accord, which we are reneging on right now, turns out to be woefully inadequate. The report outlines some of what we already know, once-in-a-century floods becoming annual events, more powerful storms, rising temperatures, and of course, all those downstream effects. Fewer resources means more wars, more wars means more migration, more migration means more xenophobic populists, etc., etc. But one of the dynamics the report highlights in a way that feels new is how our inability to prepare has compounded the problem over time. Because we've been so slow to act, we would have to do exponentially more now than we would have if we had just prepared in the first place. Inger Anderson, who's the director of the UN's environment program, remarked on the report this way, quote, We need to catch up on the years in which we procrastinated. We procrastinated. It's easy. We thought we could take care of it later. We thought we had more time. See, it's easy for us intellectuals to dunk on the people who make predictions about Jesus' coming back. You said Jesus was coming May 23rd, and yet today is May 24th, so you must feel like a real dummy right now. But the truth is, we procrastinators, the respectable ones, often look just as ridiculous, insisting that we often have more time. And we often cause a lot more harm to the world than the predictors do. What both of those responses, prediction and procrastination, have in common is they assume that what we do in the world doesn't matter. Predictors assume that Jesus is coming back and will fix all the world's problems. So why bother trying to make something better if Jesus is going to make it perfect? And procrastinators assume that we can take up and drop the world's problems whenever it's convenient for us. We only become responsible when we decide to get involved. Neither one of those will cut it for Matthew, and neither one of those should cut it for us. Instead, Jesus says, prepare. Which is another way of saying that our actions, as individuals, as a community, as a congregation, they matter. They make a difference. So when you get involved with the world, you're not wasting your time. You're not taking on some new responsibility. You are living in the light of the kingdom of heaven. So don't predict, don't procrastinate, prepare. So how do we prepare for Jesus' coming? How do we get ready for this manifestation of God in the world? Well, for Matthew, preparing for Jesus' coming is not about doing some special tasks. You think about the people in today's gospel reading, they're grinding flour and standing in a field when Jesus returns. 
which is not the most exciting stuff to be doing. Preparing is not about making some personal statement of faith that gets you squared up with God the right way. And preparing is not about hustling around being busy so when Jesus comes back, you look like you were doing something productive. The way we prepare for Jesus' coming is not by announcing the end is near, but by living as if the beginning is coming. Living as if the beginning of God's reign of mercy and justice and compassion is about to be manifested in the world. So ironically enough, Matthew tells us the way to get ready for the kingdom of heaven is to live as if it's already here. To live as if your actions matter. Because they do matter. They matter to your neighbors, they matter to the creation, and they matter to God. In a few weeks on Christmas Eve, our choir is probably, probably maybe, going to be singing a setting of a poem by Howard Thurman. And I was going to save this until then, but I wanted you to hear it when there was not a lot else going on today. It's titled The Work of Christmas, and it captures beautifully what Jesus tells us in today's Gospel reading. Here's the poem. When the song of angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, to make music in the heart. So how do we prepare for God's coming among us? By living as if God is already here. Trusting that even in these in-between times, God is already present and at work among us. The beginning is coming, and it is coming in and through each one of us. So let the work begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.